Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another very interesting opportunity here on Conversations About Dot Dot Dot. My name is Will, the host of the show. Today's a little bit different. We're doing an interview show. Hadn't been able to do that in a while. I've been sending out feelers for different things. Uh, I am blessed and fortunate that I got the chance to talk with Mr. Uh, Scott Knightlick. And um, man, this man... When it comes to toys, this man has done a lot of stuff. So I'm going to let him share a little bit about what he's done before we get started. Sure, Well, And first off, thank you so much for having me on the show. I, I love chatting toys. I don't exactly get to chat toys, you know, with my wife and daughter all the time. So it's awesome to get to do this kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, so I've been, well, I've been a toy collector my whole life. Whoops, okay. As I sit her down. Um, and but I've been and I've but I've also been very blessed to have been in the toy industry as a toy maker for about the last 25 years. I spent 10 of those at Mattel, where I started off at Hot Wheels, but eventually got moved over to the boys action figure group, working on Justice League Unlimited, DCU Classics, all the way up through the Green Lantern theatrical movie, which we all know was, you know, the greatest movie ever made. Okay. Um, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and made the script read a lot better than the movie, I'll tell you that. Um, and then I also worked on, a lot of people know me from Maddie Collector, which was Mattel's figure of the month club that ran from like 2008 through 2015-ish, basically till I, I left the company because nobody took it over when I left, um, which was Masters of the Universe, classics, Ghostbusters classics. We did hoverboards, Voltrons. It was a blast. It was like a collector's dream, really. Um, I kind of tell people it's like the hair club for men. I was, you know, also a member. I was going to make product that I also collected. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, and I, uh, I moved over. I was at Jack's Pacific for a while, working on the episode seven launch for Big Figs, their, their large figure format. Spent some time at Jack's. I launched uh, their nano figure line, the little mini sort of uh, traditional, you know, metal soldiers, but doing licensed properties like Spider-Man and Harry Potter, Batman. Okay. And uh, then did some project work for Loot Crate and Entertainment Earth before moving my family out of California to beautiful Greensboro, North Carolina, where I now run Spectra Creative, a consulting firm that helps both companies and individuals, both with toys or non-toy related product, helping with branding, retail, and content. So essentially, if you have an idea for a toy line, I help you figure out how to get it to market, everything from tooling to selling it into retail, developing content for it, the whole shebang. So that's all available at SpectraCreative.com. And I run a YouTube video series, uh, on, which is also called Spectra Creative on YouTube, all about the toy industry. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk kind of how I found out who you were a bit. Uh, of course, uh, He-Man has been a buzz over the last month or so because of the lovely little series we've gotten from uh, – Netflix, uh, Masters of the Universe, uh, Revelation. And so I had an odd question because I, uh, a while back, purchased a box set of the He-Man and the Masters of the Universe from Funimation. And so one of my questions was, was well, uh, if He-Man's power... And, and, and guys, if you've not watched the series, there's a big spoiler coming here. So they're going to count down in five, four, three, two, everybody gone. 
Okay. So, by the way, we have a whole episode talking about this thing again. So there, there again, it's all there. But uh, the power of Eternia, the magic of Eternia ends up leaving for a period of time due to some events. And my question was, was, well, if Adam's power is gone, then technically wouldn't Shira's power be gone? Because Shira, you know, of course, held off her magical sword and said, by the honor of Grayskull, and she would transform into Shira, who was Adam's sister, long lost sister in the original show. And somebody referred me to one of your videos about how, of course, Shira is its own IP and how it, you know, I believe uh, Universal, you talk about how Universal, I believe, owns the rights to that. And so how that may come into play a little bit later with Masters of the Universe as well, because eventually they're going to own the toy rights, I believe, to that as well. Am I, I make sure, correct me if I'm wrong. No, no, you're, you're definitely not wrong <laughs> by any stretch of the word. Um, so do you want me to like, yeah, kind of go into what- Oh, the please do. All right, so let's see, the short, short answer. Um, da, 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 da. Okay, well, first of all, Revelation, which I constantly keep calling Revelations, which I know is a book of the Bible, so I don't mean to do that. Um, slip of the tongue, everyone gives me crap about that. Oh, I know trust me, I've done that. it too, so it's okay. You're not the yeah. other one. <laughs> um, so, uh, it's its own continuity. You mm -hmm. have to, first off, you have to look at the fact that one of the biggest um, well, what the, I know a lot of fans have uh, multiple problems with the show. And while I understand where people are coming from, and we can go into this whether you want or not, you know, in, in you know, the concept of, um, you know, what they're calling, like, you know, some of the political correctness or woke messaging or whatever, whatever. Uh -huh. um, totally up to you if you want to go into that. But the issue that really that that is more on the table, that's a legitimate thing is that um, it was promoted as being a sequel to the Filmation series. Yep. And legally and logistically, it is not, and it can't be. Right. So they've sort of later clarified that it's not. Um, so part and a big part of that is that, yes, so Universal owns the content to Masters of the Universe, like the Filmation show. That happened back in the 90s when Mattel sold it. Okay. Uh, first, they, and there's a video on my, my channel, Spectre Creative, that sort of traces the ownership of the brand because like a Facebook account, it is complicated. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's basically, they sold it to Entertainment Rights, who then, or no, I'm sorry, they sold it to Hallmark, that then was bought by Entertainment Rights, that was bought by Classic Media, that was bought by DreamWorks, that was bought by Universal, is the short, short version. Okay. So uh, Universal owns the original show. When Classic Media owned the show, they split He-Man and She-Ra into two different properties in order to uh, basically license it. Like, in other words, like you couldn't license He-Man and then get She-Ra for free. Right. They wanted to pay for both. So if you wanted She-Ra, you had to pay for a license for She-Ra. If you wanted He-Man, you had to pay for He-Man, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, which, you know, from a business standpoint, from a P&L, makes sense. Mm -hmm. so, um, 
So that's how they became split as two different properties. Um, as far as I know, She-Ra cannot appear in Revelation. Maybe she can, and it'll surprise us, and she'll show up. I'm not at Mattel right now. I left Mattel almost, well, maybe a little less than 10 years ago. Okay. Um, but from my understanding is, yeah, She-Ra has to be treated as, that's why He-Man didn't appear in the Netflix. In her series, right. Right, you know, so they, they had to be split up. Um, so as far as your original, your, your actual question then, asking about um, whether or not she, uh, you know, this affects She-Ra, well, she's not part of this show and you have to really treat, um, you know, this show, uh, the way I explained it on my channel was think of it like a multiverse where okay. each show is its own universe. And that actually helps when you're trying to um, sort of uh, rectify things like even the original mini comics from 1982, where He-Man was just this blonde barbarian dude that wandered out of the jungle for, you know, action and adventure. So mm -hmm. that doesn't correlate at all with even the Filmation series where he's Prince Adam. So, and Tila wasn't Tila either. Tila, I believe, was known as the goddess or the warrior goddess. Yeah, so Tila is a whole other ball of wax. So basically, <laughs> um, Tila was uh, originally, so the line was always going to have eight figures. That's how it was sold into sales. And very late in early production, it was decided that two girl, two female figures was not a good idea in a boys aimed toy line because boys do uh, gravitate to male action figures. It's not a sexist thing. It's just a fact. Boys like to, because action figures are what's called an avatar for the imagination. Okay. And, uh, you know, boys see them, you know, all kids, boys see themselves as their toys. Girls see themselves as their toys. That's why girls like female figures and boys like male. Yes, there's exceptions, and I'm not saying there isn't, but mm -hmm. you know, for the most part, that tends to be how it goes. So, um, uh, da, 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 da. so Tila originally was there was originally going to be two different females in the line. There was going to be a character called the Goddess and a character called the Warrior. Hence, why on her package she's called the Warrior Goddess. Okay. And, um. Uh, da, 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 let's see. So very, so very late in the game, they decided, okay, instead of doing two separate female action figures in the line, we'll combine them into the same figure. And it's similar to things like Marvel Legends, where you could buy a figure that has two heads, mm -hmm. and each head is, you know, maybe actually a different character. One okay. of the ones I on my channel was uh, there was a Nick Fury figure from a few years ago back. I think it was the uh, Captain America Civil War wave from Marvel Legends, and it was mm -hmm. a comic style. Uh, Nick Fury, and he came with an alternate head that was a different member of S.H.I.E.L.D., but okay. you could put the head on Nick's body because it was the same body, the same suit. Mm -hmm. So you were basically getting two different figures in one package. Right. So the, this worked for Tila, where when you put the snake armor on her head, she was the goddess. When you took the snake armor off, it was Tila, and it was meant to represent two different characters. That kind of got lost in translation and sort of dropped eventually. Um, but in the early mini comics, you'll so they, they also colored the goddess with green skin and gave Tila blonde hair mm -hmm. to further 
communicate to kids that these were two different characters. One just gotcha. so different head. It was it was armor, but the armor covered up so much of the head. So that was the idea, you know, the best laid plans, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, so Tila was supposed to be two different characters. Eventually, the goddess became, so they started calling her the sorceress instead of the goddess. And then that, the, moti- the snake motif changed to a bird motif in filmation, and the character got further differentiated. But if you, again, you go to the old mini comics like Tale, The Tale of Tila, which was the fifth or sixth mini comic. The second one of the sort of second series in '83, Tila and the sorceress interact with each other, and the sorceress is wearing the snake armor, and Tila's got blonde hair, and they they actually fight, and then they make up, and then they become the same person, and then they separate because comics are weird. And <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's basically. I don't even know how we got on this question. Oh, oh, right. So, yeah, so when they combined her into two characters, then they added Zodak to the line at the last minute. Okay. Which is why he doesn't show up in any of the old mini comics because he was such a late ad, um, and that I think was your question. I kind of got lost in there. That's okay. That's okay. And, and so here's the thing, Scott. I appreciate you bringing up some of those things because believe me, we're gonna touch back on a lot of what you said stated. Uh, but I do want to do what we always try to do, especially with interviews. We always like to start with the origin story. Everybody is not a prince of a faraway land where you know they get to hold up a magical sword with a few people that know about it um and all of a sudden become the protector of the universe you know and and not everybody can be um you know like the sorceress and have control the power of grayskull but we all have an origin story so i'd like to hear a little about yours tell me the stuff you geeked out to as a kid you know, things you grew up with, things like that, and kind of walk us from there to how you got to where you are. Sure, delighted to. So uh, I was born in Connecticut. Um, I grew up there as a kid, and that's where I played with my He-Man and my Star Wars toys um, with my best friend, Sean. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to California in third grade. My father got a job change and grew up so then went to high school in california and uh went to college in california went to uc santa barbara where i majored in film and communication and as far as far as like what i geeked out over yeah i mean i was a big he-man fan transformers star wars my favorite toy was constructs which was a building system oh wow i remember those yeah girders and like little nuts like bolts Mm -hmm. um so much fun i used to build like star wars spaceships out of constructs and have my luke figure fly them oh that is so cool yeah i did a whole i did, in fact, I did a whole video on that on the Spectre creative youtube channel i, I love constructs it's such an underrated toy that i, I it still kills me that it's not at market because mattel owns it they actually use the name now for mega constructs which is more of a lego toy but that's because they own constructs but they just stopped making them oh wow that's now didn't that line also create like the robotics line that they did a while back? Um, sort of. I mean, there were some electronics in constructs where like you could create a working like crane or pulley powered by batteries. But okay. that was kind of dropped because they found kids just like to make their own stuff. But they yeah. did add the, the line started as construction, but then it went military and space. And there were all these really cool minifigures that came with it, which I still have right here on my desk. I'm looking at them. And they were some of my favorite toys was the construction. <laughs> military figures so cool um 
So that was actually the original Captain Spectre, which I used that name for a He-Man toy eventually. But again, that's another story. Yep. So, so yeah, so I, and I was always, I was, uh, so I got into comic books when I moved to California, when I was in between third and fourth grade, when I went to summer camp, my grandfather sent me some comic books from the early eighties. My first comic was Iron Man 203. And that basically just started the addiction. And then I got into Silver Surfer and that was when Infinity Gauntlet came out. So this was like, uh, oh, wow. like 91, 92, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm an original Infinity Gauntlet comic. Um, and uh, so Dark Hawk from Marvel was a big character I liked. And then right around then is when Image started, you brought up Savage Dragon. So I really got into Image when Image started. And I, a, like a lot of, you know, kids and young adults then thought this was going to be like the new Marvel universe for our generation. And it definitely kind of like broke my heart when they started sort of breaking up and you know, like Jim Lee went to DC and Rob Liefeld got edged out of the company for a while. And Todd stopped drawing Spawn. And I got into it because I thought all of these comic book artists and writers were going to commit for the long haul. And yeah. like, you know, we were at Spawn from Todd McFarlane forever and Wildcats from Jim Lee forever. Well, the only one who really did that was Eric Larson with Savage Dragon. And I mean, are you, are you a Savage Dragon fan too? I got some of the early trades. Uh, one of my favorite comic book stores is in Houston, Texas. And even I don't have a comic book store close to me where I'm at now. And uh, so every couple of weeks or so, I make my payment and I get my stuff shipped to me. And she had a trade paperback sale. And she had, I think, volumes one through five of the Savage Dragon trades for like nice. dirt cheap. And so I picked them up. Because it's just like, I haven't seen a lot of this in years. And so I just love the concept. I love the story. Yeah, we got his origin story multiple times, sometimes told from different perspectives. But I thought it was really cool uh, that Savage Dragon was interesting to me because this was something I think he had created through a letters page for some other comic that he really loved that he wrote and like drew this original illustration. And I think the artist told him something like, keep on drawing, you know, da, 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 da. Maybe one day you'll be drawing more comic books than I am or something like that. And of course he has, you know, if it hadn't been for Todd McFarlane hitting the 300 mark first, I really think the Savage Dragon would have been the book to do it. As much as it's cool that Spawn has hit 300, Savage Dragon has, uh, what, just hit like, 263 264 mm-hmm. um it's all done by eric he has yeah. ri- he has drawn he has inked every issue and the reason i like savage dragon so much is yeah one it's completely his vision the continuity is ridiculously tight there was a flash forward that happened in around issue 29 30 uh, no, I think it was 29, and it happened in issue one, like 58, mm-hmm. um, which was crazy. And, uh, and and also it's set in real time. So his son that was born in issue 30 or 31 is now like 22 years old and is the mm-hmm. star of the title. Malcolm, uh, right? Yeah, Malcolm. Yep. And okay. he's got his own kids. He's got four kids, actually. Uh, he, oh, wow. uh, he has sort of triplets, sort of, kind of. It's a long story. And then another kid, Maddie. Who came along after? So, um, yeah, it, it, it's it's and while Spawn has hit three hundred, Todd stopped drawing it a long time ago. Right. And so, 
you know, yeah, it, it's made it to that number, but Savage Dragon has provided, that's what I thought Image was going to be, was that we were going to get these all-star, you know, former Marvel talent that was going to commit to their books for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. And Eric's the only one who did that. And it's, yeah, that's why I, I, it's absolutely my, it's the only comic that I get, I mean, I pick up other stuff, but I've gotten it monthly for what, like 31 years now, 30 years, however. Wow. And I mean, I've had letters in the letter column. I've, I've met him many times at conventions. He even gave, I even wrote to him and he gave me professional advice once and he wrote right back. That's really cool. Um, yeah, so that's why, so you asked him what I geeked out over. Yeah, that was a big thing. Um, and then toys I never really gave up on. And uh, I, you know, I continued, you know, when the Star Wars Power of the Force 2 hit, 95, I was already collecting the Galoob micro machines. And then now we had new Star Wars figures. And I said, oh, I'm just going to get Chewbacca. And then I got Darth Vader. And then I said, oh, okay, I'm only going to get like, I'll get Luke and, oh, well, fine. I'll just get like the full set of nine. And then another wave and another wave. And now here I am, you know, 30 years later, and I have every single Star Wars three and three-fourth figure from the original trilogy. Oh, I mean, wow. I've got stuff from the, the prequels and like one or two from the Disney movies and a couple yeah. comics. But I am obsessive compulsive about original trilogy three and three, four. Um, okay. I'm literally missing one figure and that's because it was only released overseas, a Boba Fett from 2012 oh. with a, uh, a, uh, a uh, zipline backpack. So I'll get it one day, nice. it's like 200 bucks online. Uh, <laughs> wow. The only, the only one I'm missing, but otherwise I have a complete collection, every accessory, every figure. And then I got in, I was lucky enough after college I started, I went into the pharmaceutical marketing industry and then I, uh, I was always trying to sort of uh, get into uh, toys. I, I was applying to Mattel right out of college and they basically said, oh, like, you know, uh, we've got your resume on file and I'd get a postcard from them every six months and it still had the resume. And then after four years in pharmaceutical advertising, I was able to connect with a brand manager at Comic-Con and the interesting thing is when I was working at Mattel at Comic-Con, I would get people coming up to me all the time saying, oh, I want to work at Mattel. I'd be like, great, what do you want to do? I don't know, I want to work at Mattel. And that happened like 95% of the time. And you can't do anything about that because there's not just a job. You have to right. apply for have a specific interest. And the thing that differentiated me was I had a professional portfolio. I was a writer uh, in marketing. And I hadn't realized that the pharmaceutical industry and the toy industry have very similar needs as far as a writer, because you have to be able to navigate all the legalese, all the safety warnings and small parts. And with, with pharmaceutical, it's all the, uh, you know, the, you know, if you see a pharmaceutical ad in a magazine, you know that there's an entire page behind it just of legal. Mm -hmm. And I, I had basically gotten really good at doing that. So that got me into the toy industry. That was my foot in the door with Mattel. And after a few years as a writer in Hot Wheels, I moved over to the boys group when I proposed Maddie Collector to upper management as saying, essentially, you know, I didn't think Mattel was doing enough for the adult collector market. And I was spending, you know, X amount of money each month, but none of it was going to my own company. And they said, hmm, that's interesting. We should do something about that. And four months later, they got back to me and said, all right, we're going to move you from Hot Wheels packaging over to marketing action figures and see if you could set up a program. And we did, and, and you know, it wasn't just me. I mean, I had help from a lot of great people, and that became Maddie Collector. And then I started working on the DC lines because I had a uh, an in-depth knowledge of DC, which 
That's another thing. People don't realize that people who work on toys or even any consumer product, very few of them know anything about the properties they work on. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, that was very eye-opening to me. So the fact that I had a very in-depth knowledge of comic books and I, I, you know, I knew DC, I knew the worlds, you know, I could name, you know, four different characters that were, were called the Flash. No one else could do that. So Jay Garrick, uh, Jay Garrick at one point, uh, Barry Allen, Wally West, uh, Bart Allen became the Flash at one point. Uh, I don't remember if XS in her alternate dimension was the Flash, but either way you, you yeah. would be hard pressed to find another brand manager who can even tell you that barry allen is the flash put it that way oh wow oh yeah so and, and that's not just mattel that's any any consumer i'm not ragging on mattel any i mean i've worked with you know hundreds of toy companies and entertainment companies and you rarely find I mean, you do there are people kevin canary at dc expert bill benicky at mattel expert uh, um, you know, Brian Flynn at Super 7, expert. There are people who know their, their stuff, mm-hmm. but that's like, you know, five to 1%. And because of that, I got put in charge of the DC lines, first the comic, then the movies, like the theatrical stuff. And yeah, and I think I then that brings me right up to where we started, where I talked about my move from Mattel to Jack's and then eventually to North Carolina. Okay, okay. And I never stopped collecting toys. Hey, nothing wrong with that, man. Nothing wrong with that. Um, I, 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 I used to laugh at myself sometimes. I would be at a place, and I always go through toy sections when I go through stores. And it's like, you know, money's not always flowing the greatest. But every now and then, I have a little bit left over, and I'll pick something up. It may be small. I know they did the little He-Man minifigures a while back that were in the little Castle Grayskulls and over the Snake Mountains. So I picked up some of those. Um, so that was something that I enjoyed picking up and it weren't too expensive. So, I mean, it worked out for me. It, it let me collect and not go out too far. I do have a, a interesting question as it relates to you. You talked about Savage Dragon. I know at one point there was an image line of toys that came out. And if I'm not mistaken, there was a build a figure that was the pit figure. Oh heck yeah! I've got that figure right here. That—that's a massive figure. Well, Pitt was a big boy to begin with. That's—I I love Dale Keown's artwork. I love his muscle uh, definition and things like that. And I thought it was interesting because, of course, I followed him when he was doing the Hulk run uh, with Peter David. And so when he started doing Pitt, I was like, "Dude, this is gonna be crazy!" So like the first couple of panels of that comic. You know, it's like this biker gang just running around doing this thing. Dog ends up running into the forest, and all of a sudden, like they go and like here comes Pit, and like it almost feels like Terminator to some extent because like one of the guys was a big old beefy dude who had a spiked leather jacket. He just kind of grabs it off of him as he's running away. <laughs> it's like, uh, but that figure, I remember a buddy of mine went and bought the figures to put that figure together. And it was massive, and it was beautifully massive. Well, and not only do I think that that pit figure is one of the best figures, like in the last twenty years, but that's a perfect, uh, you know, connection. Before we were talking about Image Comics, where yeah, I got I got pit as well. Like I was getting all of those image figures, and 
that was, you know, it's like then Pitt went away. Like, you know, I thought that was going to go for, you know, years. And uh, so, yeah, that, uh, but I did get obviously that Savage Dragon figure that came in the Pitt series. In fact, I probably got like eight or nine of them. Um, there was also a Super Patriot and a Star, who's also a character from Dragon. Uh, I think and, Shadow Hawk was in there too, wasn't he? Who? Shadow Hawk. Um, Shadow Hawk was not in that line. Okay. Um, McFarland did a did a Shadow Hawk figure or two, and okay. I was also in the Shadow Hawk. Jim, like I was in all of those Mar those Image launch titles. Like I thought that was going to be my generation's Marvel universe, and it wasn't. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, but those those legendary heroes toys with Pitt, that was the last hurrah of Toy Biz that made the original Marvel Legends and made the um, uh, Lord of the Rings figures before they went under. Uh, and they were exclusive to Walmart and unfortunately they didn't do well. I'm not surprised because they were really obscure characters, but it was really cool to get a Marvel Legends styled Soup Savage Dragon. So mm -hmm. I was happy. Definitely, definitely so. I could, I could, I could, I could appreciate that. So I want to kind of step into the realm of the Masters of the Universe stuff. We've talked a little bit about Shira. Uh, and you kind of mentioned your feelings on some of the stuff with He-Man. With uh, I keep wanting to say He-Man Master of the Universe, even though that's not the title, because He-Man's name isn't in it. So I wanted to kind of let you share a little bit about your feelings on the uh, Master of the Universe revelation, if you'd like. So I'll open the floor up for you for that. Sure, sure. No, thanks. Um, I mean, the, the short answer is I like the show. Um, and I've gotten a lot of guff online for saying that because it's like you're supposed to not like the show or something, um, you know, per you know, fan reaction, et cetera. Um, the reason I liked it is because I went into it knowing that it, it was its own universe. It wasn't a filmation sequel. It wasn't related to 2000X. It was just its own thing. And, you know, so many, I think so many people got, you know, sidetracked expecting it to be an exact, because, I mean, they told us this, so it's not a shocker that they did, that it was going to be a, um, a sequel to Filmation. Mm -hmm. So once you sort of take that out and you just enjoy it as its own thing, you know, I loved all the Easter eggs, the fact that, the uh, like the triangular thing that held the orb of power in the first episode was the magic stealer from one of the original mini comics. Mm -hmm. You know, when Skeletor says, uh, when like, He Man thrusts through Skeletor and he says a line, I see you finally used your sword for what it was meant for. And we're all thinking at first that he means stabbing somebody. Um, and then he says, To unlock the orb. And that's like a quadruple Easter egg because. In the original mini comics, the sword was used to unlock Castle Grayskull. That was mm -hmm. the original point. That was like the original play pattern. But it's also a joke against Filmation because Filmation, because of FCC standards, was not allowed to allow He-Man to use his sword to stab anyone. Right. He always used it to like either block things or just knock trees down or something. So when he said, "I see you finally used your sword for what it's meant for," it was totally like a, a joke. Like, see, you know, you could never use in old filmation, you were never allowed to use your sword as a sword. And now you finally used it to, you know, spear me through. But oh, 
you know, twist. You actually just inserted it into the keyhole and that's actually what it was meant for. So it was an illusion of the mini comic too. So it was full of those kind of mo moments, you know, Skeletor picking up Mossman's remains and saying, smells like pine. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that was an illusion of the toy scent. So I like that stuff. Um, you know, Tila taking over. I also made a video on Spectra Creative YouTube saying there's a lot of characters in Motu that I would follow spinoffs of. I mean, spinoffs have been around for, you know, decades. You know, right. you know, you know Mork and Mindy was a spinoff of Happy Days. Frasier was a spinoff of Cheers. So I just looked at it as like, okay, it's the Tila show. That's fine. I'll watch the Tila show. Like, He-Man does not, you know, if they called it the He-Man show and then it became about two, but He-Man wasn't part of the title. She's just as much part of Masters of the Universe. And plus he's not, spoiler alert, well, we already said that in the beginning, Darth Vader's Luke's dad. Um, <laughs> he's not dead. Like everyone thinks like he died at the end. And like, we already know, like he's going, He-Man comes back and fights Skelegod like twice or something like that in, in the bottom five episodes. So it's sort of like, wait, we've only seen half of it. So it's like judging, you know, any content, like walking out in a movie halfway through, you know, it's like leaving Empire Strikes Back when Luke crashes on Dagobah walking out and feeling, well, that didn't feel like a very satisfying ending. And it's like, well, yeah, you only saw half the movie. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I liked it. I'm excited to see more. I, you know, I also, it was really cool to see things that I came up with from classics, like the He-Man of Legend show up, uh, you know, Wondar, Vicor, all that stuff. Like that was, I was the one who wrote all that. And it was really cool to see that anime. I was like, wow, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, that's, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just glad to have more Motu content. And, you know, it, to me, the, the more Motu stuff and the more Motu toys and, and cartoons and whatever, to me, it's always a plus because it's just keeping the brand around. And some stuff people won't like, some they will. Pick what you like. Again, the, the old mini comics contradict Filmation. Filmation contradicts this. Classics contradicts all of that. Like, they're all, you can't expect that. It's not like, there's not one continuity like there is with Star Wars. Well, they kind of made legends, but that's a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, right. yeah, I liked it. I'm excited to see the back half. I, 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 and I shared more about this on the episode about the show. I feel like the biggest problem it had, I think if they had just been advertised as um, He-Man he and Skeletor are no longer a part of the equation. What happens to the rest of the world of Eternia once they're gone? And they pitched it that way. I feel like that would have been a better thing and I could have handled it a lot better. Um, I wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of kind of the way Tila acted toward the situation when she was like, well, I, you all lied to me. I'm like, technically they lied to 90% of Eternia. Because, like, the majority of the heroes never knew Adam and He-Man were the same person. So, totally. I, you know, I, I I had issue with that. I felt like it's like, and the timing was off. It's like, you know, I wish that could have been a character in there and just be like, uh, hey, you know, they just lost their kid. Maybe cut them some slack for a minute. Like, let's let's go outside. Let's let you deal with what you're dealing with. But you yelling at them ain't helping them. Like, you told them they made you feel like family, but yet you treated them like they're less than because the mother figured it out that he was He-Man and didn't <laughs> tell you, you know, and didn't tell the king. 
You know, there's just there's some logic issues I have with it just isolated within itself. So I totally agree with everything you just said completely. And um it yeah, but and I do, you know, from a story standpoint, yeah, I thought those were poor choices. Um, you know, and yeah, like that, I mean that whole met like that whole meltdown, both her and Randor didn't work for me. But you know, I just try to like move past that and be like, okay, they need they this is what they needed to initiate the the story they're trying to tell. And yeah. you just kind of like unplug and go with it kind of. Um yeah, I mean I can't disagree. Like it felt, you know, it's like there's a reason superheroes have secret identities. He was doing that to protect her, you yeah. know, and his parents. Like the reason, you know, Spider-Man doesn't tell people or that he's Peter Parker or you know Clark Kent, whatever. Barry Allen, like, there's a reason for that. And what, you know, yeah, you just got to, like, sort of be like, whatever, move past it. And okay. if you uh, hate the show because of that, that's fine. You have every right to. Um, yeah. I get why. So, yeah, moveon.org. All right, so Scott, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw another question your way as it relates to the world of uh, toys and things like that. So we've talked a little bit about Matt, uh, but, and I appreciate you sharing your your views on the show. Uh, and you, you do make a very good point in that we do have to see how this wraps up, you know. And I mean, we may get more stuff out of this. Um, you know, we we will we'll have to see. You know where they go from here once they get done. Once that once we get that revealed, I do kind of wish they would have let us know approximately when we would have gotten part two. But according to Kevin Smith, it's already done. Like you know, but there's done from a logistic standpoint. Yeah, it has to be done. But uh, and I'm sure part of it is you want to wait till Wave Two of the toys come out. <laughs> you know, because I know Wave Two of the toys will be coming out and different things like that. I saw part of the first wave. At our local store, I got, I think it was just He-Man, Skeletor, Moss Man, and uh, Evil Lynn. Um, so I thought that was, and I thought it was really interesting. Of course, they were kind of, you know, you talk about, you mentioned Marvel Legends a lot. And it's like, wow, these are like Marvel Legends prices on these figures. You know, they're highly articulated and different things like that. So they kind of remind you more of the, the Marvel Legends stuff than like the standard He-Man fare. And or you know probably closer to look more art. They may be more articulated than the Four Horsemen brand from the 2002 line. I'm not 100 sure on the articulation side. Uh, but I saw those. I was just like, oh, those look really cool. I don't know that I'll buy one, but those look really cool. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I feel. You mentioned something. I saw a couple of videos, and you mentioned something about story. Uh, you talked about in that interview you were talking about how like kids would of course kids will have the toys and they'll kind of create their own adventures in between and you talked about a moment in Star Wars that was really pivotal to you because they basically a character basically shares something that happened in between the movies yeah what I was talking about was um there's a, there's a moment in uh, Empire Strikes Back where uh, Han is, uh, they're on Hoth and Han mentions to Leia about 
you know, the reason he's leaving the rebellion is because of the bounty hunter he ran into on Ord Mandel. And that's a very, very important line because it establishes that things happen between episode four and five. And for kids, especially back in the 80s, when we didn't, you know, you almost didn't even have VHS early on, the only way to play out the further adventures of Luke Skywalker was in our basement or our playroom or, you know, wherever we played. So it was, that's one of the reasons Star Wars has been so big is because we had to imagine it and we had to make up the further adventures. Nowadays, even if you look like between episodes uh, what seven and eight, they literally pick up seconds later. There is no gap, if you will. Literally, you know, absolutely no. There's no story gap. And to me, that there's a lot of flaws with some of the Disney movies, but to me, that to me was the biggest flaw because it doesn't allow any time for kids to make up what happens with Ray and BB-8 and Poe and Finn and Kylo and all of that between the movies. Uh, it doesn't create that sort of imagination continuity. And that's very important because kids use toys as avatars for the imagination. I was talking earlier about that, about how they, um, you know, that's the way you know, kids play out how they relate to the world mm-hmm. through toys. And if you don't have that, then it, 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 it sort of, takes away from the imagination factor of what toys provide, which is a big, important part of growth and child development and psychology. And that was why the original movies really had such a big cultural impact is because one, there was a gap between them that had to be filled in story-wise. And two, because the only one, you know, there, before we had the VHSs that came in the mid eighties, you couldn't you couldn't play see the you know rewatch Star Wars over and over again. You saw it like once or twice in the theater, mm-hmm. and then you would play it in your playroom, and mm-hmm. it might go a little different, or you know things might you might put your own spin on it. So that's a big reason why Star Wars is still so big today, and why people yours and my age are so attached to it because the only, we we loved the universe so much that we were willing to play in it in our imaginations. And nowadays, kids don't do that. One, because they can binge stuff and there's not time to become emotionally connected to content because once they finish watching one thing, they just move on to another. My, my, my 11-year-old daughter has been binging the Flash show, uh, you know, the uh, CW show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like she's, you know, going to probably be through it in like two or three weeks. So versus, you know, you watch episode four and you had years and then Empire and years and then Jedi. And that was like your whole childhood. And, that's basically it. That's that's why it's important to have toys that let you imagine things. Hmm. Okay, I feel like I'm getting a master class in not only um, not only storytelling, but also um, about how to promote how to create things that leave small gaps to where imagination fills in the gaps in between. It kind of reminds me of when you read comic books. What happens in between the panels? What happens in the gutters? Because sometimes yep, be... Scott McCloud's work. Yep. Yeah, that's that's if anyone ever wants to really get into yeah, understanding how comic books work, Scott McCloud's understanding comics. I can't recommend that enough. Mm-hmm. I've read through my copy a few times. Um, so I try to I try to I'm 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 trying to master this thing called comics. But um 
So we talk about that. I appreciate that. So I want to ask a couple of questions. I know we're running low on time and I want to be able to get you where you're going and doing whatever you're doing today beyond today. And world domination. World domination. There we go. What are, what are we What are we going to do tonight, right? The same thing we do every night, Pinky, try to take over the world. Uh, <laughs> where the rubber pants that big? <laughs> Okay, so I've just got some other general questions as we begin to wrap this up. So first things first, uh, what is a toy that you have in your collection that is like your prized toy? Good question. Do you mean, and there's a couple ways to define that. Um, I mean, I have some that are prized because they're either like really rare, valuable, there's others that like I have toys like right in front of me on my desk here. I have my walrus man from when I was a kid, my Kenner Kondabob, the walrus man. Um, also right next to my, those constructs minifigures I mentioned. Um, so, so yes, like those are really valuable to me because I played with those. Like though that, that was my imagination when I was a kid. And I love having that in front of me. Mm -hmm. Um, from another side, I have my Mighty Spectre figure from Motu Classics because it was a character I created. And it, like, it's so cool to have a character I created as an action figure. Um, I also, I have that Savage Dragon figure we were talking about earlier from the Legendary Heroes line. Um, like I'm like literally scanning my desk here, looking at like what, you know, I've got, I've got the Black Series Boba Fett that came out a few months ago, just because I thought it was such a badass toy. That gotcha. I so, I mean, my office is like literally wall-to-wall -to -wall toys. Um, I think they all have different, I mean, some stuff I have because I worked on it, some stuff I have because I played with it, some stuff I have because it represents characters that I really love. Um, you know, if you were gonna say like, what is my one favorite toy of all time? I mean, it's probably Constructs and it's probably like you know, those original minifigures. Um, you know, I, I love, I can, on my shelf over there, I'm looking at my Galoob Star Wars micro machines that I have the whole set. Oh, wow. Um, so there's, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I've got my NECA Belrog, which is like a really, you know, at this point, expensive, hard to find toy. Um, I have the Justice League Unlimited employee only Hal Jordan figure, uh, guarded by two Imperial Royal Guards from the Black Series on my shelf. Well, um, there you go. You know, that's a very valuable toy, you know, just from a, monetary standpoint and i also love justice league so um did that answer i don't did i kind of answer the question that, that, that answers several of it because i i could have probably said well what's the one that means the most to you from a personal standpoint and then maybe talk about what's the most valuable one but you definitely answered those questions um so we talked about justice league unlimited we talked about different things like that uh of course growing up for me i think growing up i was at high school, by the time I first started watching Justice League and Justice League Unlimited and things like that, uh, my favorite character was Jon Stewart because he kind of reminded me of my dad. My dad was a career army man. And mm. so to kind of have this 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 uh, character come in and just, just rough, rigid, very structured, you know, I have a plan type thing. And then to have him with these other people like Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Hawk Girl, uh, and Flash, you know, to have this kind of interesting team and then eventually span that out once you got to Unlimited where you then just 
basically open. I mean, come on, man. They had Bawana Beast in a couple of episodes. I mean, <laughs> That's funny. I've, I've actually got the Bawana Beast JLU figure right here on my desk. He's one of my favorites. <laughs> and I, I totally agree with you. John Stewart is amazing in that show. I, well, I mean, like one of my favorite lines is in the Thanagarian invasion episode when he's battling uh, Thoracol and he just goes like, kiss my axe. And he brings an axe up and just like bashes him in the face with it. It's, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, I think uh, another question I'm going to ask you, um, yeah, you mentioned your daughter, you mentioned you have an 11 year old daughter. Um, what was a toy you got for her? which means a lot to you. Hmm. Um, a toy I got for her. Like, that made her happy or like like one that I'm glad she plays with? Maybe, 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 maybe a toy that you got for her that made a really powerful memory for you too. Um, well, I, when, when she was like four or five when Frozen came out and I was able to get the Frozen, the castle, the playset for her birthday or Hanukkah or one of the, I think it was, I think it might have been her birthday. Oh my. Uh, like impossible to find. And I literally walked into the Mattel toy store, which is open to the public, and they had one just sitting against the wall. And I was like, holy cow, okay, I'm buying that right now. And yeah, her eyes just like exploded when she got that. So that was cool. Um, yeah, it's odd. She's honestly really never been that much of a, like she never liked Barbies. Um, she did go through a bit of a Lego phase, um, but she was never really a toy person, which okay. I think also is really our generation because I mean, screens and squishies and fidget toys. True. Um, you know, I tried to think back to what toys she really played with. And yeah, I mean, you know, there was dominoes and building blocks and stuff, but she was never really into doll play. Um, but I mean, it, you know, oh, I, I could think of one. She, she's, there's a YouTube channel called Mariah Elizabeth, who is a, uh, it's, she's an artist. And she has a character she created called Pickle the Dinosaur. And so I, which was like, she sold some, but then like ran out really quickly. And it was going to be like months and months till they got it back in. And so I was able to get a hold of one. And when I picked her up from school, I had it just buckled in the passenger seat in the back. And she saw it and just like flipped out. And that was really, really cool. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. That sounds pretty awesome. Uh, sometimes when it comes to interviews like this, I really like to kind of, I really like to kind of give people opportunity to talk about their families and different things like that as well. Cause I mean, that's a part of who you are as a person. I mean, they're part of who you are. They're part of your world. And so, you know. Thank you. you. Said, yeah, I mean, my daughter is the most important person in my life, so. Okay. I'm so glad to have so, and my wife, but you know, I'm so glad to have a great family. I feel very blessed. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, so uh, last question to wrap this thing up. Um, actually, it's two questions, but the first one is: um, if there is one toy besides the Boba Fett <laughs> uh, that you felt like had gotten away from you, that you that if you could get that one toy. It'd be one of the coolest things ever. What toy would that be? Hmm. The one toy that got away. Um, it's crazy because I've, I mean, I've spent the last few years sort of filling in a lot of those gaps and I have a lot of those toys now. Um, I'm like looking around my room for like empty slots because I've really filled a lot of them in. 
I, you know, I mean, that really, that's kind of like the one that's incomplete in my collection. Um, yeah, I, that, that, I mean, that really is the one that's like, you know, if I was like, if someone handed me, you know, a thousand dollars and said, you can go buy any toy, that's probably. It'd be a Boba Fett. Okay. That's fair. You know, I want to have a complete collection and I don't because of that toy. So that would, that would really be it. Okay. All right. So the last thing I'll say, just as an official deal, uh, of course, you know, we want you to be able to plug Spectre Creative, uh, tell people where they can find information about it, uh, plug the YouTube page, tell people that. And we'll make sure to also have that in the notes for the uh, episode so that way people can go to those sites as well. Thank you. And, and also let me know, you know as soon as this goes live, I will put it on all of my social media blasts as well. I'll make sure to get that to you. Absolutely. And so uh, just want to say thank you for coming on board. Uh, if you don't mind, stay with me for just a second after we get done recording. I do have a question to ask you real quick before you we part ways. Uh, but I just want to say thank you for the bottom of my heart for coming on. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Um, oh, totally my pleasure, too. Thank you for inviting me. You know, again, like I don't get the opportunity to like just talk toys all the time. And it's so much fun. So thank mm -hmm. you so much for the invitation. Not a problem. I'm glad you were able to make it. It's been this has been a blast. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you have just stepped into a conversation on conversations about dot dot dot. We filled in the dot, we filled in those dots with talking about talking with Scott Knightlich about Spectre Creative and being involved in toys and different things like that. And I know people have probably heard the toy to, term toyetic and things like that before, but this man's lived that life for a lot of years. So I just wanted the chance to pick his brain and talk to him a little bit. So thank you so much for joining us. And above all else, guys, do me a favor. Be blessed. Be a blessing to somebody. Take care.